1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Faith is the victory that overcomes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word today. We thank you for the truth of thy word and thank you for the songs that were sung and encourage our hearts and, and, uh, and uh, just minister to us. We thank you, Father, for a more sure word of prophecy whereunto we do well to take heed. And we pray as we look unto the word of God today, we allow you to examine our hearts before you. Father, we pray if there's any in our midst who do not have... Uh, a clear understanding of the truth of thy word and the salvation. I pray that the Spirit of God will work in their hearts and bring conviction, repentance, clarity. And Father, for your children, I pray that you would again encourage us and challenge us in our walk with you and uh, that we be conformed to the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is the victory overcomes, God gives us uh, victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, in Hebrews chapter 1, as I was thinking about this, uh, Hebrews 1, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth into the bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, and thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, that is, the, the, works, the uh, foundations of the world. But thou remainest, they shall all shall wax old as the death of garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. To which the angel said to thee in time, said in my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? 
Now, the Bible is a symmetrical book. Now, in symmetric, we mean that, you know, in mathematics, symmetrics means uh, noting in a relation which one element in relation to the second implies the second in relation to the first. I know, you all got that, right? In chemistry, symmetric means having a structure exhibits a regular repeated pattern of the component parts. The Bible is symmetric in that it is penned, although penned by over 40 different men of over several thousand years, it is all interrelated or has one basic theme or message. That is the redemption of man through the Lord Jesus Christ. And thereby we overcome the world with its sin and corruption. And of course this is spoken of in, as I read in Hebrews 1. It's all through Christ. And, and overcoming, having victory in our life uh, over the corruption that is in the world is by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of the Bible. That's the overrunning theme. So no matter where you read in the scriptures, you're going to come to a conclusion that this is the ultimate theme of the whole Bible. And so as we think about faith, that is the victory that overcomes, it gives the victory that overcomes, I want to notice several things this morning from this passage of scripture. First of all, we overcome the world by, number one, being born again of Jesus the Christ. Now, that is very important. Jesus the Christ. If you notice in verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Now, uh, this is what we call, it's called in the scriptures, of course, being born again. John 3, 5, is like a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's also called being saved in Romans ten thirteen. Who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means the same thing as being born again. Uh, the Bible uses the word regeneration in Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness was done, but according to his mercy saved us, by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So there's a regeneration, the word used there. And, and John uses the word believeth or believes. That's how we're born again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. So whosoever, this new birth, as we're talking about, being born again, giving new life, this new birth is available to whosoever. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. That word whosoever simply means all, any, every, everyone. It's available to anyone. Again, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And here in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, 
and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Christ's sacrifice for our sin was for the sin of the whole world, all of mankind from beginning to end. See, the new birth is available to whosoever. Not just a certain select few, but whosoever. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you know, I understand this is a, a, a simple truth to us, but it's something we need to understand that the new birth or being saved or being born again is available to whosoever will call. But secondly, a clarifier here is available to them that believeth that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ. Notice again, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. He's not just a Christ. There's many that claim to be a Christ. Or that claim to have the Spirit of Christ. In fact, I could say to you this morning, I have the Spirit of Christ. I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me through the new birth. So I, in fact, the Bible uses that terminology. You know, if you are saved, you have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you. Romans 8 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Bible uses the terminology of his children as having the Spirit of Christ dwelling within. The Holy Spirit. But, but the word Christ, no, he is not, he is not just to have a spirit of Christ. No, he is the Christ. He is the only Christ. It's the idea. That word Christ means, or that name means, the anointed, the Messiah, the Son of God. In Matthew 16, 16, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In John chapter 20 and verse 31, John ends his book, or, or concludes, whether he added a chapter then, but, but he says, these are written, you know, this is a purpose for the whole book of the Gospel of John, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. You know, this reminds us that Jesus Christ is the only way or the only one that can give eternal life. He is the Christ. The Christ. In fact, let's do a little journey through the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1. And, and I think we'll clearly uh, prove from the scriptures... What John has wrote here, again, we see some metrics of the Bible when you think about this. In, John, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. And then in chapter 2, in verse 11, 
says, and this is the wise men come to visit, it says, when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped, worshipped who? Not them. You know, there's a lot today would teach you that we ought to worship them, Mary and the child. No, no, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. People worship gods. And these men understood that this was God. This was God. They didn't worship Mary. Uh, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 11, and I cut down the, the list here so you wouldn't be here all morning looking at some of these verses. In, in Mark 1, 11, it says, There came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So there's this voice from heaven. Uh, this is my beloved son. You know, it was said of, of Simeon, prophesied in Luke chapter 2, verses 30 through 32, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, singular, thy salvation, and which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Again, this was spoken particularly of Christ. In John 6.35, he said, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, I am the light of the world. John 10.9, I am the door. John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. John 10.28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. In John 10.36, he said, I am the Son of God. I am the Son of God. John tells us in John 1.12, but as many as received him, that is the Son of God, gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And see, we here we see the difference between us and him. We have to be born again to become sons of God. He was the Son of God when he was born. And think about that. We have to be born again to become sons of God. He was the son of God when he was born in Bethlehem. He already existed before that. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The son wasn't born. The child was. You see, he already was. He was the son of God when he was born in Bethlehem. And so throughout the book of the Bible, the New Testament, it is Jesus, the Christ, that heals the sick, makes the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, cleanses the lepers, calms the sea, feeds the thousands, and yea, even raises the dead. And it's this Jesus, the Christ, that saves us from our sins and that can save you from your sins. You will repent, believe on him as your Lord and as your Savior. For it is whosoever will come will receive life. Your Revelation twenty two seventeen says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Bride's church, churches. And him that let him that hear us say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life. Freely. See, without being born again, death and hell are certain, but God, who is rich in mercy, offers eternal life to anyone who will repent of their sin, put their faith 
and trust in Jesus the Christ. See, he's not just a man named Jesus. He is Jesus who is God. The man who is God. That died for over for our sins. So, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And we have to be born again to overcome the world. Secondly, we overcome the world by perfecting our love for God by obedience. Notice again verses 1 through 3. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know... we. We, we love the children of God, and we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Now, it says, And everyone that loveth Him that begot, or begat, who is that? Who is He that begat? It's God the Father. Okay. Loveth Him also that is begotten. That is the Son. He's the one that was begotten. He's called the only begotten, Son of God. So this clarifies our understanding of the person of God, particularly the Son of God. You know, many people have this theory of life, of being in love with Jesus. They're just so in love with Jesus. But they really don't know God. God's judgmental, dogmatic, to be afraid of, you know. But they're just so in love with Jesus. But they really don't know who He is. So, you know, they believe in the love of Jesus. What about the love of God? Look at, Chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. It doesn't say love is of Jesus. It says love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. So according to the record of God, which is the scriptures, if you do not love God, you do not love Jesus. The word God here is referring, uh, when it says by this we know what we, that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commands. The word God here, or the name God, is referring to the triune God, or what we refer to as the tr- trinity. You see, God and the Lord Jesus are one. God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit are one. They make up what we call the Godhead. Now, let's, let's illustrate this a little bit. Go to 1 John chapter 1, again, in verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, that would be speaking of Jesus Christ, the Christ, to them gave he power, so he gives us authority, that word power there is idea of authority, Become the sons of God, even to them that believe us his name, which are born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. 
as many as received him. So a person would say, well, all I have to do is believe in Jesus. No. But it says we're born of God. It's God that gives us new birth. We're born of God. Uh, Verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So Jesus Christ really is a revelation to man of God. Chapter 5. I'll read a few of these before I make too much comment. Chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. They answered, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verse 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Verse 30. Uh, can of mine own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. Chapter 8, verse 28. Chapter 8, verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Verse 47, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Now who was doing the talking? Jesus saying to them, Look, My words are God's words, and if you don't hear God's words, if you don't hear me, you're not hearing God's words. See, what I'm demonstrating to you here is this. Well, let's go to chapter 14, and we'll conclude this thought. Chapter 14, verse 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. What you see here is the oneness of God the Father and God the Son. They're one. There's a oneness here. And this is, this is the God 
that in the beginning made the heaven and the earth. And that made man in his image. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis 1.26, let us, let us, it's plural, make man in our image. And, by the way, the Holy Spirit of God was involved in that too. And so what you're seeing here is this. If you don't love the Father, if you don't understand who God is, and you don't love the Father, you don't love the Son. If you're going to love the Son, you're going to love the Father also. And the Spirit. We're going to look at more of this next week for the three that bear record in heaven. And so there is a, a love for God and the Godhead. We don't divide up. God. There's one God. God declared that to the nation of Israel. There's one God. And demonstrated in three persons. And so we demonstrate our love for God by obedience. Now notice this verses 2 in the beginning of verse 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his the commandments. So this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. That word keep there means to observe, with the idea not just to see it, but to do it. To do it. It's an action work. Uh, so it's, it's used, for example, in, in uh, Revelation 3.3, 3, it's translated hold fast. In other words, you, you keep doing what you've been doing. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. James 2.10 says, Who shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point? He is guilty of all. So you can keep it. You can observe the whole law, which he says, if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. And John 9.16, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. In other words, they said he isn't observing because he isn't obeying the Sabbath day. And so, you know, do you love God? Do you keep His commandments? You know, John spoke of this in his gospel in John chapter 14. And verses 21 through 24, where he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will, will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. So how does God going to manifest, you know, as Judas, not Iscariot, of course, here the other Judas said, how is it thou wilt manifest thyself unto us? He said, I'm gonna, if, you love, if a man loves God, my Father will love him, and we'll make, we will make our abode. Now, I read from Romans 8, 9, where it says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. We know that this, the Spirit self-beareth witness to our spirit that we are the sons of God. That's how God manifests himself to us is through the presence of his Spirit. And he makes his word, he reveals his word to us through his Spirit. Uh, and so, 
if we love God, if we have a desire to please God and obey His commandments, God will reveal Himself to us, just like God revealed Himself to Joseph. You see, God revealed Himself to Joseph. Joseph was a lover of God. Abraham was a man that loved God, and God revealed Himself to Abraham. Do you love the Word of God? It's how you show your love for God. Because it is God in written form. It's God's revelation of Himself to you and I. Do you love doing the Word of God? That's what it means to keep it. To observe, to do it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do it. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So do you love doing the word of God? Do you show that love to those around you? It should be a love that's seen. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Are you willing to deny yourself and obey Him? He is the Word. You know that the Bible says in Romans 13, 10, an interesting phrase, that love is the fulfilling of the law. In fact, let's go over that. Romans, Romans chapter 13. <clears throat> Romans 13. Verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Now who is your neighbor? Well, according to the good the Samaritan story that Jesus gave the neighbors, anybody you run into, anybody you meet, he's not just necessarily just the, guy, the person that lives next door. No, it's anybody you meet. And so love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to keep God's commandments, you love your neighbor, anyone you meet, as you would love yourself. You don't steal from yourself, do you? You don't kill yourself. You don't swear falsely against yourself. See, love is a fulfilling of the law. And we demonstrate our love for God by obedience to His commandments. And these are His commandments. By the way, if we break one of those commandments against a person, it's also an offense against God. Secondly, we show our love by honor for him. Notice verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Grievous. That word grievous means burdensome. You know what is burdensome? It's burdensome. 
You know, Matthew 23 and verse 4, Jesus spoke of the Pharisees. He said, They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, that's the way religion is. It's grievous. You have to do this, and you have to do that. And if you do this, then you're going to be in good graces with this, and, you know, with your, with your God. And you make so many journeys to Mecca, or you, go, you, you, know, you do so many Hail Marys a day, or, you know, any, any, any religion has their things that they require of you, and all these rituals you have to go through, and a lot of them you don't know about until you continue or progress on. No. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His commandments are not grievous. You see, what makes God's commands burdensome is an unwilling and unyielded spirit wanting to do its own thing. And what that demonstrates is a love for self more than love for God. Your sin is burdensome. Sin brings consequences. Sin sin brings hurt, destruction, misery, death. The wage of sin is death. That's burdensome. Christ came to set us free from sin and its burden. And see, an unwillingness or an unyielded spirit makes God's commands seem burdensome. You think about it. In the Garden of Eden, here were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had anything they could want. There was one thing forbidden. And they focused on the one thing. So often, too many times, we focus on the one thing we think we would enjoy that God says we should not do. Or participate in. Israel wanted to be like all the nations around them. And those nations around them were their destruction. Brought them into misery. Caused them to take Gentile wives. Brought division into families. Caused them to offer their children as sacrifices on altars. It's bondage. And then they call that liberty? It's too often we're like Ephraim, a backsliding heifer that's planted her feet and said, I don't want to do what God says. No, we're to, we're to understand that God's commandments are not grievous. It's just that we're looking at it from the wrong side.
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 17, For if I do this thing willingly, or if I take the gospel, he's talking about taking the gospel and all the hardships he endured for taking the gospel. He said, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. If it's against my will, if I do it against my will, if I ever resist God, there's no reward. There'll be no joy either. Peter tells the elders or pastors in 1 Peter 5 to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre's sake, but of a ready mind. So, we need to show our love for him by honoring him. You know, we, we say that children obey your parents and the Lord. And then we say, honor them. Children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command of the promise. The promise comes with the honor, not with the obedience. Because you can obey without honoring. But you can't honor without obeying. Honor means you do it willingly, with a good attitude. And then finally, we overcome by faith in the power of God for daily living. Notice verses 4 and 5. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is is the Son of God. Now the word overcometh is used of one who by Christian constancy and courage keeps himself unharmed and spotless from his adversaries' devices, solicitations, and assaults. Of course, that is the devil. So how do we overcome? How do we not give in? How do we have victory over the the seduction and the devices of the devil and the world? Well, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He didn't say Christ lived in me. He said Christ liveth in me. In other words, every day Christ lives in me. Not just when I got saved. No, Every day, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul would say something like this. Every day I face the enemies of God. I go forth believing that my Lord is greater than they. And that he can sustain me and give me wisdom and power to be victorious over them. In other words, it's he that sustains me. It's he that strengthens me. It's my faith in him to give me the victory. See, we need to have faith in God every day. Every day. We need the word to quicken us each day. 
You need to put God in your heart each day by way of the mind. You know, the source of overcoming power is God. It's not us. It's God. Look at John 16 and verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. Just before the Lord uh, was crucified, He said this, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You're going to have trouble and you're going to have a hard time in the world, they're going to try you. <clears throat> but, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the power to overcome the world for you is in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in us. But Christ that liveth in me. As Paul said. He lives in me every day. And I rely on him every day. To overcome. 1 John 2, <clears throat> verse 13 and 14. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because have, ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God, and here's the secret, the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome. The wicked one. You know, the word of God is a power sharper than any two-edged sword. So what are you relying on or who are you relying on to resist temptation? Do you think you're strong? Do you think you can resist it? Do you think that you can overcome in your own strength? 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And then the next verse says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Do you know temptation is common? Everybody's tempted. Everybody's tested. Everybody's tried. Genesis 22, 1 says, The Lord did tempt Abraham. In his blessing to his sons, Jacob said of Joseph that the Lord surely tried him. Oh, he was tried. He was tested. Everybody's. Temptation is common to man. But God is faithful. Just as temptation is common... God is faithful. He's faithful to everyone who will come to Him. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to wear it. Oh, Joseph was tempted and tried, but there was always an escape. Always. Abraham was tempted, and there was an escape. It was in the thicket, in the bushes, caught by the horns. It was a ram that he offered in the place of his son Isaac, just as, as he said. He said God would provide himself a ram. 
See, there's always, God always makes a way. You know what we need to do? We need to be abiding in the Lord so that we see that escape, that way of victory when we are tempted. That we may be able to bear it. You know, where do we learn the way of escape from temptation? The Word of God. Psalm 119.9 Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that might not sin against thee. Verse 50 This is my comfort and my affliction. Thy word hath quickened me or given me life. Verse 105 The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives us direction wisdom for life. Verse 130 the entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. You know, when you spend time in the Word of God, you begin to understand life, what it's all about, how to live it, what not to do, what not to bring into your life. As you look at the Word of God and what people did and what people did not do, and you learn that Hey, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do that. And that's, they violated God's commandment, and that's the consequences. And then you can look at the world and see it happening there, too. It's not rocket science. It's just logic. See, we overcome every day. We are overcomers. We are victorious as the Word of God abides in us. The victory is not in us. It's in God. We just put our faith, that word faith means our trust, our reliance on Him for victory every day. Every day. Our Lord, our loving God, Again, that Godhead, the triune God, has provided a way for us to be redeemed from sin and be born again, receive eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you received Him? And our loving Lord has provided a way for us as His children to overcome in the trials and afflictions and the corruption that is in the world. Are we being victorious? We can be. God has made a way. His power is available to us if we'll simply trust in Him and yield to Him.